You're listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, episode 276. Hey there, you amazing human, and welcome to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, the podcast that is designed for female entrepreneurs who want to make more money in a way that is in alignment for them. If you're looking for practical advice, proven strategies, and expert insights to help you navigate the challenges of growing your business, then you've come to the right place. Welcome, my friend. I am your host, Angela Henderson, a proud Canadian living in beautiful Australia, and I'm a business coach, consultant, and strategist who has helped thousands of women around the world build successful businesses. Through solo episodes and interviews with successful business owners, industry experts, and thought leaders, you'll get insider insights into what it takes to succeed in today's digital age. Whether you're struggling to scale your business, looking for ways to boost your productivity, or seeking ways to overcome the challenges of being an entrepreneur, this show has everything you need to succeed and more. So subscribe, pop your headphones on, and get ready to creating the business and life you deserve today by allowing the Angela Henderson Online Business Show help you create a winning strategy, develop the right mindset, and build lasting wealth. Well, hey there, you amazing human. Today's podcast episode is going to be an epic one as we have the vibrant Kimberly joining us all the way from Louisiana, US of A. And today we're going to be chatting about how mastering your financial destiny, why business owners must understand their finances. This topic is beyond important. I'd go as far as saying this conversation today is a must for all business owners. Why? It is because it is a core foundational pillar that so many business owners don't realize is missing in their business and the freaking impact it's having on the growth of their business. Talking finances, I get, isn't always sexy, but I can promise you that today, Kimberly and I bring the goods. We bring a high vibe. We're going to leave you on with this podcast feeling more confident and more empowered than ever before to start taking radical responsibility for your finances. So sit back and get ready for another awesome podcast episode. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. My goodness, I'm super excited to have you on the show today. I know we've only just met each other recently in a pay community that we're in, but there is something about you that when, again, because we're in a collaboration community, and I was looking at your Instagram, and I was like, okay, there's something about this amazing human. She's got a good vibe. But I also, what I loved is that you are on a mission similar to me. I'm on a mission to help women make more money. You are on a mission also to make sure that women are have that financial literacy and that they understand their numbers. And so so I knew I had to get you on the podcast because so many women that I start working with don't, and this is, there's nothing wrong with this. Let me make this sure because again, we were just talking before we hit record. We don't know what we don't know, but they might be running say business and personal bank account in one, for example. Uh, they might not understand again uh, when it's time to hire a particular person like a bookkeeper or an accountant. And I love that you help women service providers specifically maximize their revenues, reduce their taxes and build wealth in order for them to create a legacy. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast today because uh, there's so much that we can dive in in order for those listeners to be able to walk away with goodness and also put themselves in a better financial uh, position than they were before they heard this podcast today. So welcome, my friend. Yes, thank you. And thank you just for, you know, I always thank um, the hosts who have me on because I know that this isn't the most fun or exciting topic, but I hope your listeners realize how amazing you are for bringing this knowledge to them and sharing this with them because it really is such an important piece of the puzzle as business owners. 
No, totally. And I think it's it's one of the things that we can push to the side because we're worrying about the next sale, which I get, do you know what I mean? We need to be able to feed our families and stuff. But I also have found throughout the years of being in business that if I would have known about this earlier on in the piece, I probably would have been less stressed and made more money than do you know I mean? being behind the eight ball. So though it might be a little bit dry, we will make this fun and you know pumpy anyways. <laughs> but it is, it's it's something that is important. Uh, and I hope all, all of my listeners will sit back and get ready to listen to this awesome podcast. Now, I always like to ask a fun question to my listeners before, or to, sorry, to the guests that I bring on so that my listeners have an opportunity to get to know you in a different way. So my yeah. fun question to you is, is I know that you have, you're a mom to the four delightful little souls. You've got three beautiful <laughs> sons and one beautiful daughter. I'm yeah. curious to know what is the best part of being a mom? And did you always want a big family? Okay. So funny. No, I am a planner. Like I am, I am a financial person to the core, right? So I'm a planner from the time I was 10, I was going to have two kids, a boy and a girl, a girl and a boy. It didn't matter. I never thought that I was going to have a big family. So it was after our second son was born that I told my husband sitting in the hospital, he, he was like an hour old. And I said, I want another one. And he was like, okay. And then we really went back and forth on having a fourth. We have done gender surprises. So we didn't know the sex of the baby before they were born. Uh, We were perfectly at peace and ready for a fourth boy when our little girl popped out. But I would say the best part of being a mom is truly they have made me a better person. And I know it sounds so cliche, but I am I am a recovering perfectionist. I am a type A planner. I am an Enneagram three high achiever. Like I am all of the things and they have just taught me to let things go that aren't important. I, I have really learned to be more relaxed. And it's funny because if you knew me pre-kids, you would understand that I am so relaxed and go with the flow. If you didn't know me before kids, you would be like, that's like a load of, of bull because you are not relaxed. You are so uptight. But my kids have truly relaxed me. They have really put in to perspective what life is really all about. I have better work boundaries, right? Because I I want to prioritize my time with them. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful because I think without them, I would have like just gone through this hamster wheel of life, right? Like onto the next sale, onto the next goal in business, onto the next thing. And they've really forced me to slow down and really appreciate the blessings that I have, the things that are going well and to just slow down. And I never would have done that without them. It is funny. It's like every day I feel like they teach us something new, you know, like every single day last night. Um, and I also, sometimes I make an assumptions that they don't, how do I say this? That sometimes I think that they're not listening to us or they don't oh, yeah. see us, but in fact, they're like, they watch every single thing we do. But my son Finley, he's 13, almost 14. And he says to me, you know what, mom, I'm going to need, I need to make more money. This $13 a week, uh, pocket money and allowance to do chores isn't going to help me with the lifestyle that I want. And I was like, almost like I was dying inside. And I was like, Oh, really? And he's like, and please, please, mom, don't tell me to like, there's a job for $5 an hour. My time's worth more than that. I need to think bigger. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh my gosh. Clearly he's heard way too many business coaching sessions of mine or been to like my podcast or whatever. And I was like, this kid kills me. He's only 13, but it's like, I mean, I can't. But he gets it already. Gets it. How incredible is that? I was like, his time is worth like, I was like, yeah, but you know, we all start somewhere. He's like, but I don't have to start at $5. There's other, he's like, there has to be other ways to make more money. Um, and so, but I, again, just in that instance, like, 
they, they get it, you know, and sometimes I don't give them the credit and sometimes they just put things back into perspective and I'm like, all right, well, you know, and then open up the dialogue around like alignment and happiness and, you know, money's great, but it doesn't mean that money's everything too. Cause he's at that age where I think that's money's everything. And I was like, money, mm-hmm. uh, money's just a tool buddy to get us to where we need to yeah. go. But again, kids are always amazing. It's, and they teach us every, I think they're here to teach us more than we are here to teach them. 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. All right. So today we're talking, oh no, no, no. I want to go back a little bit. Some of my listeners might not know who you are. So in a nutshell, can you let us know what your business is and how you help other amazing business owners? Yeah, so I am Kimberly Tara. I ha- I'm the owner of the Tara CPA firm. It's I've had my practice for seven years here in the U.S. I'm called a CPA, which is a certified public accountant, and um, I am a certified tax coach. So my business partners with female service providers, and we, like you said, we maximize their revenue, reduce their taxes, build their wealth, and create a legacy through proactive tax planning and an ongoing relationship. We are here to change the narrative on the relationship that business owners have with their accountants and financial professionals and really lean into the educational side because I believe by by educating women on money, finances, taxes, that is what leads them to the empowerment to confidently step into their CEO role as a business owner. And I love that you talk about confidence because a lot of times women lack the confidence, right? They lack yep. uh, the empowerment. Uh, they And again, it's it's what we don't know or it's what we've grown up with or it could yep. be a T1 or a T2 trauma. It could be a combination of things. Mm-hmm. But I love that you're here again to change that narrative and to help women get the confidence they need. I mean, there's nothing like I've walked into many masterminds around the world or many events where I'm one of the only females in the room. And there's this, you know, <laughs> it's normally, yeah, it's, it's always how it is. It's like a 20 to one ratio, if you're lucky, one female to 20 men. And I love being able to walk into a room and hold my own confidently. I I like being able to pull a chair up at that table and know that I fit there, right? And, uh, And we don't change history overnight, but we do change it little bit by little bit. And I'm glad that you are also here to help empower those women around the world. Uh, listening today do you mean be able to pull up those chairs and have the confidence they need not just with their financial literacy Mm -hmm. but I think it stems out to other you mean growth pockets too absolutely so mastering your financial destiny why business owners must understand their finances like I said is an important topic but you know as you said this topic isn't sexy and so I also know I was just speaking with someone the other day about my parents And I was a little bit frustrated because I was like, my parents, I was eating and I was thinking about like, you know, I used to make really bad choices. I was really unhealthy, you know, like I was quite overweight as a kid. And I was like, my parents didn't teach me how to eat the right food, Mm -hmm. but my parents also filed bankruptcy twice. And they also sure the hell didn't teach me anything about finances or do you know what I mean? In in many aspects, they told me what not to do, but it still doesn't mean that I don't have problems with money. And so I, these lessons are lessons that I just wish we were able to learn more like earlier on and earlier on. So from your perspective, can you explain why it's important for business owners to understand their finances, even if they have a financial professional on their team? Because again, I think we, we can become too reliant on people and we don't take ownership and responsibility for ourselves. But I'm curious to know why you feel it's important for business owners to understand their finances. Oh, I love that question so much. So yeah, I'm I'm really big on as a business owner, even if you've hired all of the right professionals, the best professionals, paying them top dollar, if you don't understand the questions that they're asking you, 
you're not going to give good answers, right? Because like you've said a couple of times, we don't know what we don't know. So if I'm asking, and, and I do a very good job of breaking it down for my clients, explaining things to them, explaining why I'm asking the question, going into detail. But the reality is most accountants are not doing that. They're not going to that level of depth and educational knowledge with their clients. So they might ask you a question and you, you say yes, but you didn't really understand what they were asking before you said yes. And so then you tell them the wrong answer. And then there's some ramification from that. And they're like, but you, you know, then your accountant saying, well, but you told me yes. So that's why I did it. And now you as the business owner are saying, but I didn't understand what you were asking me, right? So it doesn't allow you to really answer the questions well that they're asking when you don't fully understand. It doesn't allow you to have that in-depth conversation that's really going to propel your business forward, right? We talk about those needle-moving items in the business, understanding your finances. Making smart financial decisions is absolutely a needle-moving task in your business. And so I think for me, that's, that is the biggest thing is you can't have good conversations with those expensive, overly qualified professionals that you've hired if you don't have a base understanding of the conversations that you're having with them. And I guess, I mean, I might move this question because I've got a bunch of questions that I want to ask. Do you know what I mean? Actually, I'm going to hold that. So. Yeah. You Yeah, let's hold that question. Let's go back, though, to let's look at the mistakes, because those listeners who are out there might now be going, well, I don't know what I don't know, but what are some of the common mistakes? Because if you can educate me about these common mistakes that business owners make when it comes to their finances and how they can avoid them, they might start going, oh, shit, tick. Yep, that's me. No, tick. I'm good. I'm not doing that. Oh, tick. That's double me. Right. So let's start with the common mistakes. And then I'll go into some of the other questions that I've got. But what are some of the common mistakes that business owners make when it comes to their finances and how can they avoid them? So the first one is not looking at them and thinking Mm -hmm. by not looking at them that (laughs) it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. I need you to, whether you sit with a glass of wine, whether you sit with a cup of coffee, whether you go outside and, and find the most beautiful scenery ever, the first thing is you are ultimately responsible for looking at them. Whether Mm -hmm. you are doing the bookkeeping, whether you have a bookkeeper who's sending you the bookkeeping reports, you have to look at the numbers. So Mm -hmm. to me, that is the first thing is overcoming your fear of the numbers. Mm -hmm. The second thing is only looking at your top line revenue, all of the sales coming in and not looking at your profit margins after you've deducted all of your expenses. Because the more meaningful number, everyone always seems to know that top line sales number, right? Oh, we we hit six figures in sales. Oh, we we made seven figures. But but they don't actually know after they've spent money on Facebook ads, after they've paid all of their team members, they don't know what that bottom line number is and what their profit margins are and what their profitability is. And the reality is that's the more important number because for most business owners, that's actually what you're taking home. That's what you're walking away with. So I want you to prioritize. I want you to know what your sales number is, but I want you to prioritize knowing what your bottom number is after you've deducted everything and knowing what your profitability is. That's that I I, I think that's really and truly a missed opportunity. And then I had a third one that I lost because I'm going to claim mommy brain on that one. Um, <laughs> but it'll probably come back to me as we start chatting again. But 
there was a third one that I really wanted to make sure that I touched on. It's all right. It will always come back. But for you, you're saying, and it's funny because we had Jackson on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he's a financial advisor, wealth creation here in Australia. And what we're talking about is like looking at our money blocks, right? And what are some of the money blocks that we've learned from growing up, do you mean by our own families? And one of the ones that I had forgotten about was he talked about like the ignoring money block. And he talks about how like his mom had in the kitchen, like just like a, a stack of bills, right? And he, he said he didn't really know what they were, but he realized there were time like, mom, why do you ignore those bills? And she's like, oh, because they're just the same. I know what's already in them. But by ignoring them, did mean it actually perpetuated and made their financial situation worse versus digging the head of their sand. So I love that you talk about like, you've got to like, and I've done this too in the past when I didn't know was that like, but subconsciously it's probably more than ignoring that I saw my parents do too, right? Was like, I might get my report in from my bookkeepers for the month. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll put it over here in the folder and I'll come back to it. And the next thing you know, a month's gone by and I didn't actually do anything with that report, right? And so the thing is, is by ignoring it, we're not putting ourselves in a better position. We might not like what we see. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about data later because data doesn't lie, right? And so we'll talk more about those reports later. But for now, like I do like what you said, don't ignore it. And understanding not only how important it is your top dollar is, but also understanding your bottom number, which is actually more important because that's what you said. That's the cream. That's what you get to bring home. And I think, you know, I remember... Um, speaking with a client once and she's like, I had the best weekend ever. She was an e-com business and she's like, I had the best weekend ever. I made $5,000 this weekend. I was like, oh, do you mean like you cleared after everything? And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. She's like, my product was, you know, 2,500. I said, okay, well that out of the 5,000, that leaves you with 2,500 left. I said, how much was your stall for the weekend? And I think it was maybe a thousand bucks. I said, so that leaves you with $1,500 left. I said, did you have any staff there or anything? And she's like, well, yeah. And I said, well, how much did you pay for staff? It was like, say $300. So now we're down to, you know, $1,200 quote unquote profit. And I said to her, I said, well, now though, I said, you were there all weekend. I said, and you were doing prep before this. How long did it take you to uh, pack the car, unpack the car, set up, be there, unpack your stall, pack the car up and get home. I said, because we also want to look at your hourly rate and whether or not that hourly rate is a reflection of what you want it to be and whether or not it's helping you get you where you want or is actually still working 10 hours a week in your day job, something that you might want to consider. And she's like, oh, okay. Yep. And then we figured out that it was a better hourly rate but no one had ever walked her through. Mm-hmm. She had just saw a $5,000 top number, right? Yes. And I said, no, we need to get to the bottom, the root of actually what was it that is yours, not anyone else's, but what is yours sitting in your bank account, et cetera. And she's like, oh, and I said, and I always advise, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an accountant. I said, but these are the things, just simplicity you need to be looking at. Yes. And so I think that another one that I would like to add to that is, Don't compare yourself to somebody else that you see on social media when they're Mm. posting about their numbers. Because typically, just like everything else on social media, you're seeing the highlights. You're seeing the best of the best. So they are maybe telling you that, oh, we're a seven-figure business. But what they're not telling you is that they're only 5% profitable, Mm -hmm. right? And that's only $50,000. I know many business owners who are maybe, and sorry, I'm talking all in US dollars. So, but maybe you have somebody who's at a 500,000 US dollar firm and they have 
20% or let's say 40% profitability. Mm-hmm. Now they're taking home $200,000. Which one sounds better? Because which one's going to have less headache probably, right? So again, it's it's really, it's don't compare yourself to other, I mean, you shouldn't compare yourself to other people in general. Compare yourself to yourself, right? Like try and out, do better than your prior month. Try and do better than your prior year. Um, But Make your business work for you and not the other way around. And I feel like when we follow that trap of social media, we start getting into us working for our businesses instead of our businesses working for you. 100%. And I think people are trying to reach the seven figures because that's what they're told and that's what they see every day. But it's like, what do you want? At what cost? 100%. Because like you said, the bigger the dollar is normally the bigger the headaches to some Mm -hmm. degree until you find out systems, team, processes, et cetera, right? And so you have to understand that. And there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you're the, you know, Ange, thank you for providing the space that I was able to go like, actually, I don't want seven figures. This is what I actually want. I want to be able to make half a million dollars, but I want to be able to travel for half the year. And I want to be able to do this. And this is all the money I need to live the life that I want. Perfect. Yeah. Right. So oh I really, so much, yes. just really getting to like what you need. Also, I love the fact that you talk about what people are posting on social media. I know many people who claim they are technically a seven figure business owner on paper, but I would make way more money than they would any day yes. from a profitability perspective. Yes. And so they might, they might have a seven figure launch. So they've hit 1 million, but they paid a shit ton of money in ads to get yes. them there. Right. Right. And a lot of times, too, it's driven by ego. They want to be able to boost this by ego versus what's actually feeling good and right for them and in alignment for them. You know, so listen, I could talk about this till the cows come home, but I think it is important for you to understand, like, why are you in your business? But also, again, working with the professionals in this space, Mm -hmm. hopefully they're asking you those questions, too. Do you need to make 100K? And I think the last thing that I'll say on that one is, is that always do better than your next month always do better. But there will be times such as me, like I asked my husband for a divorce Christmas day, 2021. Uh, and my revenue dropped the last 18 months by probably about 25%. And, and I'm very open about that because in a world where there, where the trajectory quote unquote is up, 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 sometimes you have to slow down in order to speed back up. And so sometimes I can tell you, it wasn't easy looking at my numbers going down. But what I also talk about often on this podcast is about holistic wealth. And that though my revenue wealth declined, I've dropped 25 pounds, for example, I found love again. Uh, My relationships with my children are stronger than ever before. I found myself again. I found my voice again. So just don't always focus on the revenue wealth buckets. Look at your other holistic wealth buckets because they will contribute to your overall success with revenue wealth. I love that. Yeah. So my story is not the same, but similar in that I've been asked for the last seven years why my firm hasn't grown significantly, right? Like we've like we've only made incremental growth over the last seven years. I had six figures in the first 12 months, right? But by 18 months, I was so burnt out, right? We were expecting our second child. Like I was like, this is like, I might as well go back to public accounting if I'm going to continue working like this. So it became an iteration of me getting more time back in my life to be a present mom. So now I unapologetically tell people that my business has maybe only grown 10%, 5% over the last couple of years. And you can actually see like the roller coaster of my business. You know, the years I had a baby, 
because my income goes down and then it goes back up. And then, oh, because we've I've had a baby in 2016, 2018, 2020, and 2022, right? So I'm, but I'm unapologetic about that because my business has served my family, my needs. We have delivered exquisite services to our clients. They have never suffered. But no, I'm not a million dollar firm, but I'm I'm a million dollar mom, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what counts. Mm-hmm. And again, though, you're but you're you may not be a million dollar firm, but it doesn't mean this is one of my pet peeves. It doesn't mean you don't have the skills to help those people that are seven, eight, nine figure business owners. Oh, this is something that yeah. if I read again on social media, I might. I'm not a, I'm not a physical person, but I do want to vagina punch a few people sometimes because it's like, I mean, I've helped. 3 million business, like businesses hit 3 million, 4 million, $5 million. Um, and just because I haven't hit it, do you know what I mean? People are like, mm-hmm. you don't have the skills to hit it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm very clear. I don't want a $5 million a year business. Don't want it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone else can have it. But I also know where my boundaries begin and end. And that I know after that five mil, the team, the systems, the processes, et cetera, that you need is out of my scope of genius. Mm-hmm. So I know where to say like, hey, let me refer you on to someone else. But just because I haven't hit that doesn't mean that I don't have the skills to do that. What are your thoughts around that? Love that. Yeah. I mean, I my largest client is 30 million U.S. You just heard me say that I'm not even at 1 million, right? But yeah. that $30 million client, they've been in business for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, um, their kids are older and grown. That growth has really been exponential, honestly, mm-hmm. since I've started working with them. I, they were at 8 million. Now they're at three, 30 million, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's seven years of work together to get them there. And they've done the work too, right? But, but we viewed it as a partnership. So just because I don't make 30 million doesn't mean I don't know what you need to have going on in your business, right? Especially because I think sometimes having, um, having that outsider's view, I think is so important. Like we are so close to what we do sometimes that Mm -hmm. you have got to have that third party view. And so, yeah, I absolutely, I will say though, that I have become more skeptical, Angela, of people in the online space, like doing my due diligence, because no, I don't need you to be necessarily bigger than me to help me. But I need to know that that you're doing the right things in your business. Um, like I do feel like you got to walk the walk a little bit kind of yes. thing. Um, so it's not, for me, it's not about a money thing. It's more about an alignment thing for me. Attention, mm-hmm. women in business, get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. Join me for an exclusive three-day women in business conference from October 31st to November 2nd at the breathtaking Gold Coast, Australia. Designed exclusively for online business owners, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, and course creators. What to expect at this amazing three-day Women in Business Conference? Expect an immersive experience filled with fun, empowering keynote speakers, interactive workshops, networking opportunities with other successful business owners, gain valuable insights, forge meaningful connections, and leave inspired to take your business to new heights. 12 speakers have already been announced with five more speakers being announced shortly. We have Steph Taylor joining us, Anita Seek joining us, Lisa Cordiff joining us, and not to mention Maddie from Sound Healing Australia, who will be there for the most magical sound healing experience ever. You do not want to miss the event of the year for women in business. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. 
And I do agree with you. Like you've still got to be able to have runs on the board. You can't just be someone who's gone to chat GPT, did some AI said, and now like, look at me, still show the results, right? Like data proof is in the pudding, you know? So totally, but also you use the word due diligence and we're going to come back to this because Let's hold off on the due diligence, but at what stage do you think businesses should engage with a bookkeeper, accountant, or financial advisor? Yeah. So I think that typically a bookkeeper should kind of be your first outsource, if you will, because so much of the other professionals' jobs are dependent on you knowing your numbers and having timely numbers, right? And so I think that typically that bookkeeper hire is the first one. And I would say when you're getting to knowing the price point in US of most bookkeepers, I would say when you're getting to about that eight, seven, eight thousand dollars a month. That's really when I want you to start considering. Okay, I'm making enough money that I can support this outsourced expense that is going to help me be more clear on my money and make more money. So mm-hmm. about seven to eight thousand is when I think that you should think about a bookkeeper. The other caveat that I want to add is. If you're vaguely familiar with a software like a QuickBooks or a Wave, or you're good at Excel or Google Sheets, and you are actually keeping up with your numbers, you could probably push that to over 10,000 a month. The key here is, and what I see time and time again from business owners is, they're scared of the numbers. They don't like the numbers. They get too busy. They don't know how to how to categorize them appropriately. And it gets pushed down, down, down the list. And so if that's you, even if you're only at four or 5,000 a month, you probably need to figure out where you can carve out a couple hundred bucks a month for a bookkeeper. Because I promise you, knowing those numbers, having them be accurate and having them every single month is going to make such an impact in your business. And what is a big bookkeeper doing? Like, what is it like? What are they going to do for you? What does that look like? Yeah. So when you're looking for a bookkeeper, you want somebody who is going to be keeping up with your transactions. Now, it can look a little different depending on what your business model looks like and how they're needed. But typically, they are tracking the money coming in, the money going out, They're keeping you up to date if they have any questions. Hey, I noticed you sent money to such and such. What was that for? Um, Some bookkeepers will help you invoice clients. So I know some people, if they're not on automatic credit card transactions and they send out invoices, especially as women, that is a block that we have like, ooh, I'm not going to invoice somebody, right? And so Mm -hmm. having like a neutral third party where it's like, oh, I did the services for this person. Please send them a bill. They're actually sending them the invoice for it. It takes you out of the equation. So those are typically your bank reconciliations at the end of a month, right? Kind of compiling all the revenue that's come in, all of the expenses that have gone out and presenting you with those numbers. That's typically a bookkeeper's role and where the bookkeeper role stops. They're not going to do any analysis or anything like that. It's typically making sure all of the money has come in, making sure all of the transactions are categorized and giving you that that revenue minus expenses equals your net income. Love it. And so then when would they be like, hey, I need an accountant and what is the accountant's role? 
Yeah. So look, I feel like an accountant is such a broad term. Like you have some accountants who are only bookkeepers. You have some, like I'm technically an accountant. I'm also a CPA. I focus on the tax strategy and the CFO work for my clients, right? So I'm using, so next I feel like depending on what country you're in, depending on how complicated the tax code is in your country, you might want to look at hiring a tax strategist next who also does tax preparation um, because here in the U.S., as a business owner, if you work with a tax strategist who knows the business code, they can help save you money, right? So you're earning all this money. You're working with incredible people like Angela. Your revenue's growing. Your net income's growing. We want you to keep more of it, right? That's where the tax strategist comes in. And I feel like here in the U.S., the accountant, like they are thinking like tax accounting when they hear accountant. So a lot of people assimilate accountant with tax, whatever that looks like in your country. Um, But that's the next thing. And why I love that is now you have the foundation of the bookkeeper. You know the numbers. You can be proactive with your tax strategist and your tax strategist can save you money. Yep. And then, so then what would the final piece or that financial advisor, what is their role then? Yeah. So the other one in the accounting realm would be a CFO, which we call a chief financial officer here. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're really like analyzing the numbers. You're looking at goals. You're looking at revenue projections. You're looking at what's coming down the pipeline and why we offer those services. Is it because it pairs really well with the tax strategy? It's very forward thinking. We're looking into the future. We're getting creative. We're being proactive. Whereas like the bookkeeper and the tax preparer, they're just like, they're like making sure that you're keeping track of history, right? And that's important, but not as beneficial. And then yes, the financial advisor comes in and well, and like kind of rounds out the team, right? So I say that every business owner um, needs to have a, a bookkeeper, a tax strategist, a CFO, a financial advisor, and an attorney. Those are like the five people that you have need to have on your mm-hmm. team. And some of those people might double up, right? For some of our clients, I'm their tax strategist and their CFO. Some clients, their bookkeeper is their CFO, mm-hmm. right? But that's who you need to have. And your financial advisor is they should be looking more at your overall individual wealth and growth. And what is it going to look like long-term? Are you saving enough? Are you set up for retirement, right? But all of those people, it's so important that they work together as a team Mm -hmm. to your benefit as a business owner and as an individual. Mm-hmm. I agree because again, uh, and I've seen that before, like, for example, I wanted to, I do profit first model, for example, and the, I was going to work with a profit first accountant to get me set up. And then he was going to work with like my regular accountant and my regular accountant was like, nope, nope, nope. And I was like, listen, my business, my rules. So then I had to fire that accountant and move over to the other one. Right. And I guess that's what I also, I'm curious to know too, is that like, I needed to take responsibility in that situation. And I wasn't half like I was already going to do profit first. I, I like profit first. If they're not going to work with you, then that's didn't mean a red flag that you've got to be like, sometimes you might have to put your big girl pants on and be like, Hey, this relationship no longer serves me, you know, best of luck, but you've got to be able to work with everyone together. And you want to hope that the bookkeeper, the accountant, the CFO, the financial advisor, that they all have your best interests at heart and they should be working like clockwork. Do you know what I mean? Together yeah. with you. Uh, and if they're not, never be afraid to let someone go or find someone else. There are wonderful humans out there. But I guess that gets me to my next question is, 
And I've said this a few times, but you don't know what you don't know. Because if you're listening to a podcast or you're reading a blog article and it's like, yep, your business is growing, get a bookkeeper. And you're like, tick, I did that. And then it's like, great, get your tax strategist slash accountant. Tick, I did that. But you still don't know your numbers, right? And and those people that you've hired aren't necessarily educating you about what you need to know. I mean, I ended up in some sticky situations because I assumed that because I had the bookkeeper and the accountant that my business was solid. But that is so far from the truth. I feel like it's it's very uh, it's very naive almost, right? But again, I learned from my mistakes. And but for those that are listening, I don't want you to have to learn that because it was a very hard um, thing to have to go through. I guess what I'm saying is this. Whose role is it to make sure that you do know what questions to ask, that you are educating yourself around, say, in Australia, there's like, you know, um, solepreneur, like sole trader, uh, company, trust, et cetera, right? Like how, what questions should they be asking? What due diligence should they be doing at time of hire? And because like, I have no problem paying for like an extra hour of someone's time to help me understand what I need to know. But I just assumed that what they were doing was what I needed them to do to educate me and move my business forward. But that wasn't, they were just ticking a box. I did your bookkeeping. I told you what we need to do for the next year. And I would only meet with them once a year. I thought that was the baseline. I thought that's all I needed, but that isn't. In my opinion, if you can, you'd be meeting with them monthly, right? At least, yes. if not yes. quarterly, minimum, right? But so many business owners that I initially, when they come to me, they're like, oh yeah, I only meet with them once a year. And I'm yes. like, well, who's going through your numbers and stuff with you? So I guess I, I know it's a, like a long, colluded, do you know what I mean, type <laughs> of question, but the reality of it is, is like, whose job is it to educate you? If you don't know what you're supposed to be asking and they're not helping you, then how do you know that you're even getting the financial literacy that you need to move your business forward? Yeah, it's really such a catch 22. And I've realized, unfortunately, so I was very much like a local business owner here in my town in the US. And as I've ventured more into the online space, and I've been meeting more incredible women, I'm hearing these quite frankly, horrendous stories mm-hmm. that they're having with their CPAs, with their accountants, right? And it's not acceptable. And there isn't enough education going on. And so I agree with you wholeheartedly that the once a year is not enough. And if that's all they're offering you, to me, that is a red flag right there, like right then and there that that is not the person for you and your business. We only, so right now our business has transitioned to really only working with business owners in a monthly capacity. We have designed three different levels so that there's a level of affordability for all the business owners out there, but at every level, there is a monthly touch point with us because I don't like, I just love how many times you've said it because I can't stress enough that the ongoing relationship, the ongoing communication, the meetings once a month, that is where the magic happens. That is what keeps this top of mind. That is what allows us to catch mistakes before they happen or plan proactively before the year has come to an end. And so, for example, in our lowest um, tier, it's it's a group program because that's a more affordable way for these women to have access to me to pick my brain, but they still get access to me, right? Versus my monthly you know, highest level clients, they're getting a full hour one-on-one with me and uh, other availability. So find someone 
that that encourages, right? Like, like we are literally moving to a way that like, if you are not willing to meet with us monthly, we're probably not a good fit for you. Because that is how much I believe in the necessity of us talking more than one time per year. So ask them, like, like really hone in on, but how frequently are we going to meet? Because I think that that's going to tell you a lot about their mindset, their approach to business, their approach to numbers. Honestly, like I'm telling my clients, I'm like, hey, you haven't booked your call. We have one week left in the month. Come on. Like we're like, I'm not letting them out of this. Because yeah. I know it's too important to not do it. Another thing is um, I would test. So you should always, when you're interviewing for a new account, you should always at least interview two to three people. And you want to try and interview them as close together as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, because you like you like you're gonna get a feeling a little bit. And I think if you ask them similar questions, and we can in, we can get into some specific questions to ask them, but if you're asking them the same questions, if you can try and do it all at one time, you're going to like, I think you're really going to hear like the different responses, right? Mm. And it's it's going to tell you something. Um, So that's another thing is like, you should always be interviewing more than one person when you're making the shift. And I really want to encourage you to look at this person, your accountant, as a relationship. Like this mm. is, I believe that, and I kind of, I love how you said it. Like, and this made me think that, like you want your clients to outgrow you. You said that you know if they're getting to the 5 million mark, you're going to have to refer them to someone else. I love that you are setting the groundwork for your clients to outgrow you. Like how incredible is that for your clients? I don't think there are some accounts that you will outgrow, but most of my clients aren't outgrowing me. I will say with the caveat, I'm always educating myself. I'm always working on my personal and professional development. Mm-hmm. So I am outpacing, even though my my revenue might not be outpacing my clients, my knowledge, my acumen, my expertise is far outpacing them. So make sure that you're working with someone mm-hmm. who is always educating themselves, taking themselves to the next level, holding themselves mm-hmm. to high standards, because you really kind of don't want to outgrow your CPA, at least not very quickly, or your accountant. Um, Because me diving in year over year with my clients, that is where the momentum picks up, right? Because I'm, I'm really able to insert myself in their businesses. I understand the nuances. I understand the seasonality. And that just comes with time and learning and seeing things and going through some cycles with them. So I mean, most of my clients, we have a 97% retention rate. Most of my clients have been with me for seven years, right? Uh. And so you can really see like, like they call. And so we're actually having an issue because I'm, I'm, I'm bringing on, I'm hiring somebody and I'm like, okay, how do I get my knowledge out of my head to this new person that like all like seven years of client knowledge out of my head into someone else. So that's a little bit of an issue that we're working up against, but I can tell you the decisions that I can make for them without having to look at anything for them. The speed with which we can do things is so incredible because of the longevity and the relationship that we have cultivated over the last couple of years. So I want you to get that feeling that this is going to be a relationship. You are so confident. Something else that came up with somebody was... um. Also, like, go back and forth, like force some emails with this person or some calls with this person, because like check on their responsiveness time. Like, how long are they taking to get back to you? Because if they're wooing you in the new days, right, to try and get you to be a client and they're still taking four days to respond, what is it going to be like once they have your money? 
right? Like, uh-huh. like you should be getting, like, you're supposed to get the best of the best in the marketing and sales process. So if it's not great, then it's probably not going to get a lot better down the road. And I just think responsiveness is like a minimum standard. So like intentionally ask follow-up questions, check in with them, ask for something so that you can gauge their response time. So I think that that's another way to kind of like see who they are as a person and a firm. Um, those like, those are just some of my biggest things. And then some questions, like some specific questions that I think are good to ask are, um, tell me about what niches you work in or what industries you work in. A lot of times we're not allowed to say specific names because of like confidentiality Mm -hmm. and privacy concerns, but you, they can, you can be like, tell me about a client I can tell you about my client that I took from 8 million to 30 million. I don't have to name names, but I can tell you what industry they're in. I can tell you some of the things that we did. I got on a call, a consult call with someone. They were like, tell me about a client who's similar in revenue to me and some of the strategies that you implemented for them. And I was like, "Uh, cool. Okay, you're here. So this client was here. Here's some of the strategies we did, right? And so they were like, oh, that's... I was like, what else do you want to know? Do you want me to go deeper? And they're like, no, that's perfect, right? So it's like... Really, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Like you are interviewing them, right? I mean, like sometimes I like I think people are like, "Oh, you'd be so lucky to work with me." I think that's more of a male uh, ego thing. But you know, I don't ever take it for granted. I do think that everyone is worthy and deserving of a good of a good knowledgeable expert CPA. But I. For me, when I'm hopping on a call with a potential client, it's a fit call. It's I, I'm looking as much as if they're a fit for me as they're hopefully interviewing me, right? And it feels very much like a conversation. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. And um, I love asking like, tell me about a time. Tell me about how you helped a client, right? Tell me how you fixed a problem that they were having. Or you could even ask something like, Um, I'm having this problem in my business and I can't figure out why it keeps happening. Like a numbers question, right? Like pick something, see what they say. I also know that don't be afraid that even if you do hire someone, um, I believe hire fast, fire faster. So like if the response time does take too long or you intuitively start feeling, well, not intuitively, there's two things intuitively, you know, like something's not right, mm-hmm. but then you start to feel frustrated, anger, bitter, do you know what I mean? All, those are all signs, do you know what I mean? That this might not be the right fit. Yes. And I found in my time, it's better to hire fast fire faster than to let that prolong itself and fester because it festers Absolutely. into your sleeping, your eating, your relationships, everything else, yes. even from a subconscious level. So yes. never be afraid to yes, hire fast fire faster. Oh I also know too, sometimes when I do hiring, I will interview them. And if I have top three, I might pay them each to do a task. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that might be a little bit more because it's a bookkeeping task. But the reality of it is, is you'll know how the response time is, how they treat you, how they're um, engaging with you, what questions they're asking too. So never be afraid to pay for some tasks also. And then look at that too. So no, so I love that. Oh my gosh, so good. I actually had a client recently come back. She she was like, I want to work with you, but I can't afford you, but I value you, right? Like I would never ask you to discount. So she went with another firm. They never did her tax prep. She came back to us like a month later, but exactly what you're saying, right? Like she was like, you know what? You are not saying what you're supposed to do. And she cut bait. She was like, I don't care what I have to pay you. I want to work with you. I want to get it done. I know you are like, you are who you say you are. And so like prop, mad props to her for like switching like that and coming back around and being like, 
that's not what I need. This is what I need. And you are the CEO, right? I think often we treat our businesses like a hobby still, even though we can be making hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the reality of it is, is act like a CEO. And again, though I still work on my numbers and though I still do mean have my own money block still from my history, the reality Mm -hmm. of it is is everything's still a work in progress. Your finances and your learning around your finances never stop, right? So put the CEO hat on and treat it like a company or your business versus a hobby. And it's going to help you no matter what in so many decisions. Now, what an epic episode this has been. Again, it really kind of lights my belly with, you know what I mean, excitement because there's so much power when people understand their numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not only just power for you and your family and your business, but power for the clients that you work with, but also power for the changes in the legacy you get to make from a local level, a national level, and even international national level because when you make more money you've got more money to contribute back to society and so again learn ladies this is so so important now for those listeners who want to connect with you what is the best way for them to find you yeah so I like to call it my landing page on Instagram because I'm not Uh, super active on social media (laughs) Um, but I love the DMs I love voice DMs on Instagram so you can find me at Tara CPA firm I love voice DMs. Please send me a voice DM. Yes, because I know when I first reached out to you, I actually called you Tara. And I was like, oh shit, sorry, Kimberly Tara. Do you know what I mean? Because your, yeah. your name's I was like, but again, it was just such a common doing female name. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. rewind. I was like, just I was like, I swear I said I know you're Kimberly. I said, but I saw Tara. So I was like, I remember that now. Actually, that's making me laugh. Well, and do you know why I have so and I feel like this is we're not gonna go down, but Someone, the rules in the state that I live in say that I have to have my name and CPA in my business name. And it's just like, it's an old antiquated rule. I'm not going to, my first name was disapproved. I feel like it was like a bunch of old white guys sitting around being like, no, she can't have that name. That's too fun. And so that's why I have the business name that I have. Gotcha. I see. But again, rules are rules, right? And this rules is like, us, us change makers are here to do to change up some of those rules. Now, looking yes. back on your business journey, my final question to you is, is, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Boundaries. Actually, okay. No. mm -mm. Well, boundaries. Yes. But actually what I want to really share, and this is a form of a boundary. Don't say yes to anyone who's willing to pay you. Because when you take up your time and your energy and your capacity and your focus for those clients who aren't the right fit, you are stealing from the clients who are a right fit because you don't have the capacity. You don't have the energy. You don't have the space for the right yeses. And it's so easy. And look, y'all, I'm a money person. I'm a money person. And I was just so nervous that I wasn't going to have enough money to pay the bills, that I wasn't going to have enough clients. And so I did it. I said yes to everyone. I undercharged. And if there's one thing that I could go back and change, I wouldn't say yes to everyone just because they were like, oh, you're an accountant. Do you do this? And I would say, sure. And then I'd figure it out and I'd undercharge them. And it just, it made this frenzy that wasn't necessary. So have faith in yourself and don't just say yes to everyone. Really figure out what your offers are, what your zone of genius is, and only say yes to those clients that are a good fit for you. Gosh, I love it because I think it's so important, especially in those infancy stages, we just start to take everyone and everything, you know, yeah. Um, be, yeah, be truthful and honor you, have respect for you because every time you breach a boundary, you like yourself less. 
it's not the other person. Yeah. It's you that you actually like less when you look into the mirror. So I love that. Now, thanks again today for your time. It's always awesome having amazing humans on here talking about conversations that need to be had. So thank you again. And just a reminder that my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. If you haven't already subscribed to Spotify, Apple, please sure that you do so that the next episode will come to you ASAP. And for the rest of you, have a beautiful day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again for another episode of the Angela Henderson Online Business Show. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, www.angelahenderson.com.au.